0: We're in Acts 2, so we got a lot of ground to cover and, uh, not a lot, not enough time to get there. So Acts 2, um, if you've got your Bibles, Palm Bay, Deland, online, everybody grab your Bibles. We're gonna go, jump into the end of Acts chapter 2 and, uh, cover, uh, the end of that response. Last week we, we, we talked about, Joe talked about the idea of, of The gospel message being preached by Peter for the first time and we saw the response. They were convicted in their heart and they asked, based upon that conviction to the gospel, what should we do? And the response was, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. Listen, this whole idea that church can't be big is insane, right? It's too big. 3,000 people joined the church on day one, right? 3,000 people. And so what we, what we read at the end of chapter two describes what these believers did at the beginning. That makes me want to introduce you to somebody. So I want to introduce you to our ninth grandchild. This is, uh, I can't remember. Name. This is Adeline Rose Noel. You know, you get to nine of them, you just start numbering them, right? Like, but this is Adeline Rose Noel and uh she was born on July the 7th and so this was her yesterday this was her this was her when they left the hospital you get an idea for how how little she is mama wasn't ready for her picture to be shown to the church and this is her yesterday so yeah she's adorable right and here's what I was reminded of. Like, I haven't gotten to meet her in person yet. I was at the hospital when when she was born, but because of St. Louis County's COVID restrictions, I wasn't able to see them. So that's as close as I've been to her. But I was reminded as we we're talking to Japeth and Brittany, new parents for the first time, right? I was reminded of a couple of things. One, it's a lot of fun watching your adult children struggle with babies, okay? <laughs> Just gonna be honest with you. like. That's been fun, right? Like, we, Chapeth will FaceTime and every day he just looks worse and worse, right? And at about day five, we, we fast FaceTimed him and he, say, he said to us, he goes, I guess people go back to work at some point in time after this. Like, yes, and they grocery shop and they do laundry, right? Like, we figure out how to do it all. So that's been fun. The other part that I was reminded of was how dependent babies are on us For everything, right? I mean, this little girl was born five pounds and three ounces. She was born really, really small, right? And everything that girl needs to live, to grow, to thrive is dependent upon Japheth and Brittany. 100%. Right? There's nothing that that girl needs right now in her infancy that those two people aren't expected to provide. When you go back to Acts chapter 2, it's the same thing. These people were brand new in Jesus. These were infants in Christ, right? Jesus Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven, right? He said this in John chapter 3. He said this to, to Nicodemus in their secret meeting. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Nicodemus asked the question, how does this happen? Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Right? These were new believers. So the people that we read about today, that we're going to read about this morning, in Acts chapter 2, these are infants. These are brand new. These aren't seasoned veterans. These aren't people that have been following the gospel message and their faith for 25 or 30 years. They just became Christians. And much like Adeline, they are completely dependent in their infancy on certain things. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, right? Across all of our campuses online, we're going to talk about what did these people do And what were they dependent upon to grow in their faith in Christ? Because my guess is for some of us, part of the reason why growing in our faith and becoming more content in our faith has been a struggle is because one or the, one or more of these have been missed. So here's the first one. We're going to be dependent upon a fighting spirit. Dependent upon a fighting spirit. It says this, it says this in verse 42. Everybody read those first three words with me. They devoted themselves. Right? In the Greek, right, the word devoted, right, is a two part word, and here's basically what it means it means they exhibited strength and power. All right? That's not a big deal. But the meaning goes on to say they exhibited that strength and power because they expected resistance. Listen, here's the thing about being a follower of Jesus it's going to take some fight on your part, right? There's nothing simple about following Jesus. This isn't, this isn't something that you do by osmosis, right? There's got to be intentionality on your part. There has to be a fighting spirit. I've got our, our three-year-old grandson lives with us three or four days a week, right? And my life, I don't know about your life, but my life has been full of a lot of bad decisions along the way, right? And I'll be honest with you, at 58 years of age, I don't regret any of them, right? Except for one. The only decision I ever regret that I made, and I mean this with all sincerity, was I wish when I was younger and raising my children, I wouldn't have fought so hard against their fighting spirit, right? Because as a grandparent, I love watching my three-year-old grandson's fighting spirit, right? I love getting on the camera and watching him tell his mom no when he's not going to bed, right? Like, I enjoy that part of it, right? I'm like, you go boy, fight it, right? Like. Don't go down, right? Like he, like this morning before I came, I mean, he was getting, I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, he's not, he's not cooperating. I just sort of look at him and like, all right, like you fight boy. Like I love seeing that part of, of Owen. I love seeing that part of his fighting spirit. Listen, part of being a believer is you're going to have to fight for this, right? You're going to have to put some effort into this. Right, We put effort into work, we put effort into to play, we put effort into all kinds of things. But for some reason, when it comes to our faith, we almost want it to come very simply. We want it to come through just showing up, right? just being a part of it, just listening to worship music. Listen, there's more to it than that. But if you're going to make it as an infant, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to survive. There's no way around it. And so for some of us, part of the reason that Christianity has been such a struggle is just because of that. Because listen, here's the reality. The reason why you need to fight with power and might is that there is resistance in the world. Here's what Jesus said about our enemy in John 10. He said this, the thief comes only to what? Kill? Oh, sorry. I apologize. I read out of order, right? Comes only to? Kill and destroy. Right? like I don't know if we always get that. There's an enemy whose simple desire is to destroy your life. He has no interest in you. He has no desire for you. He simply wants your life to be destroyed under the weight of his attack. That's what he wants. And the reality is, if you're not going to have a fighting spirit, if you're not going to be intentional about survival in your faith, the enemy is going to have the best of you because Jesus goes on to say this. This is what the enemy wants, but here's what Jesus wants in John 10. Bring John 10 back up, Mike. John 10. Jesus said, I've come that they may have what? Life. And have it to the full. Listen, Jesus' desires for your life to be complete, to be full. The enemy's desire is to see your life destroyed. It's going to require fight. Now, listen, I know that there are many of you that understand that. You've been in this fight for a while and you can testify to this. Amen, church, right? Listen, if you've been in this thing for a while and you know what it's like to follow Jesus, you realize it takes some fight. For others of you, this is a new thing, right? But fighting to be intentional, that's why we, listen, it's part of the reason why across all of our campuses, Palm Bay, Deland, land online, we offer so many things. We want to give you opportunities to get in the fight, whether it's these short-term groups, right? Whether it's a mission trip, right? Whether it's a community group, right? Whether it's Connect or Discover, Tomoka or Connect class, whatever it is, we want you to be involved in it because we want to provide opportunities for you to decide, hey, I want to fight. I want to get in this thing. I want to be a part of it, right? Paul said this on his way out in Second Timothy chapter 4 as he wrote his last letter. He said, I have fought the good fight. Listen, it's going to require some effort on your part. You and I are dependent upon a fighting spirit if we want to grow in our faith. Amen, church? Amen. And then we need to be dependent upon God. Here's what here's what Luke writes in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and on. He says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It goes on to say in verse forty-seven, everyone was filled with all and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Right? It's not a surprise that part of our part of our infancy in Christ, part of our development in Jesus, requires a dependence on God. Right? And listen, for some people that's a that's a shock because I was I was watching I was watching I don't remember something last night. Owen had woke up at three something and I got up. And so of course, you know, when you're 58, you get woke up at three, it's hard to go right back to sleep. So I sat up in the chair and turned on the TV and on popped an infomercial. And honest to God, there was this religious charlatan advertising, buying this miraculous living water in these little packets. Has anybody seen this? Honestly, I wanted to to throw something to the TV, right? I wanted to go find this guy's house, right? Because people are going to send this man money in hopes of getting this little packet of miraculous water, right? In hopes that God's going to do something for them because they're not dependent upon God. They're dependent upon what's promised. God will do miracles for you, right? The testimonies in the infomercial was, I bought this living water and I used it and I got this $3,000 check in the mail, right? Listen, dependent upon God, responding as a genie isn't dependent upon God. Learning to be dependent on God is something completely different. I mean, that little girl... That little girl Adeline, there had nothing in the world else for her to be dependent on but being dependent upon mom and dad. That is complete and absolute. And here's the thing. Mom and dad may not do it perfectly. Right? If history's any indication based upon his parents and her parents, there's a possibility Adeline won't always, always get the best care in every moment. Right? Parents, right? We're not always great parents. Can I get an Amen. I mean, some of you are looking at me like, what's he talking about? <laughs> Listen, I thought this was the 630 crowd. I apologize, right? The reality is that, that even though her dependence on them is absolute, she's trusting in them completely. And it may not always come out perfectly for mom and dad. But here's the thing about God. It's always going to come out perfect. He's someone we can trust completely. Right? And here's a couple ways I want to, I want to point out that they depended upon God. And you just see if this applies to you, Palm Bay and DeLand and your, our online campus and right here in Ormond. The first thing they were dependent upon, they were dependent upon learning. They were dependent upon learning. It says they did. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. The word teaching there is the Greek word didike. It basically means to learn. Right? Listen, here's the reality. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, first thing if you're new here, new in Palm Bay, new in the land online, man, we are so grateful that you guys have chosen to be a part of this. Right? It's our prayer that wherever you're at, God's going to use something to begin that conviction inside of your heart to follow Jesus and trust in him. But for the rest of you, let's just have a real conversation for a minute. Listen, if our dependence dependence in our infancy and our growth is upon God, let's be clear here. There is no growth for any of us if God's word is not an active part of our life. It's just not going to happen. The reality is for so many Christians that honestly, this blows me away. I never would have thought this at 22. But there are people who love coming to church that never read their Bible. They love listening to worship and they never read their Bible. They love serving when it comes to serving Jesus, but they never read their Bible. Let me tell you something. That might be all well and good, but there is no true growth if God's word is not an active part of your life. It won't work. And here's why. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews says this in chapter four. It says the word of God is what? Living and active. Listen, one of the one of the greatest complaints of scripture today as people could deconstruct their faith is that the word of God isn't relevant. It's old, right? You can't rely on it, right? It doesn't apply to our culture. Listen, here's the thing about... Those of us who trust in Jesus, God's word describes itself as this living and what active and it's sharper than a double edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Listen to this. It judges. That picture is a picture of a scale two things on opposite sides, weighing them out to see if they're equal. The word of God knows how to discern what's going on in your life and it does it with the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. And mine. Listen, for some of you trying to figure out what God wants for you, what life's supposed to bring you, what it holds for you. Listen, it's right there in the word of God. I was able to be up in St. Louis when J.P. and the Brittany had their baby. Was blessed and fortunate to be a part of that. But because of St. Louis County's COVID regulations, I couldn't see them. So I had to sit in the lobby and just wait for, you know, the Pony Express to come bring me a message, right? It was frustrating, right? But I was there. And at 1130 on on Tuesday night, Brittany was at four centimeters. And the OB had told her, listen, first baby, we had to induce labor. There's a good possibility it's going to be 12 to 16 hours more. And I had to leave in 30 minutes for a four-hour drive to Indianapolis to catch my flight at six, to fly to Orlando at 8.15, and then drive home. I was not going to make it. And I decided I'm not leaving my son while they're trying to have their first baby up here with nobody around. I'm not doing it. So I decided I was going to change my flight. Japeth left, said I got to go back upstairs. I said, great, I'm going to go get a coffee from McDonald's. I took off. I went to McDonald's. I'm in the drive through Six minutes from leaving the hospital, I get a text. Emergency C-section, text mom. And of course, there's a car in front of me in the drive through at McDonald's. You can just figure out how that went, okay? Eight minutes, I get back to the hospital. I text my son. I'm in the hospital, right? It's been 14 minutes since I got the text. I wait, nothing, nothing, nothing. Nine minutes later, I get a text. It's now been 23 minutes since I left the, hosp- left the hospital to get a coffee. Nine minutes later, he texts me. All good, sewing Brittany up. And I went, did they take a baby out of there? Like... like Okay, like what happened? Baby came out. So now it's 1153. And I know you're thinking, what is he doing? Hang on, right? It's 1153. And we went from, hey, this baby's not going to come before midnight to the baby's already here. And now I'm thinking, all right, maybe I don't need to change my flight. So I couldn't see Japheth. He calls me on the phone, says, hey, I can't come down. I've got to be up here. Everything's okay. Okay. And I said to him, we, we cried, and I said, listen, I got a flight. I need to leave at midnight. He's like, go, you know, get out of there. So I left at midnight to head to my flight. Problem was, when I got about an hour and 15 minutes into the drive, I was wore out. And I thought to myself, I got almost three hours left. I got an hour waiting in the airport. I got a two and a half hour flight home. I got an hour and 15 minute drive home. And that's all before I can lay down. I didn't think I was going to make it. But I said, I prayed. I said, God, I hate these decisions. I don't know whether I should stop and rest and get my flight later or whether or not I should just push through. And I felt the spirit in me. I felt the spirit in me sort of say, hey, listen, check out your Bible app and read the verse today. And it was Hebrews 4, verse 12. God's word's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates right to the dividing of soul, spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. All right. Right below it was a little box that said, read full chapter. I clicked on full chapter. It was driving, played it through my Bluetooth. And in the first 11 verses of chapter 4, God used the word rest and "enter my rest eight times. I wanted to know what to do. Should I stop and rest or should I go on? And in Hebrews chapter 4, God's word shared the word rest eight times. I knew right then what I was supposed to do. And he closed it out with the verse right after this verse that says this. You have a high priest who sympathizes with your weaknesses. And I thought, God's word's living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Listen, some of, you, some of you have been looking for answers for things for years. And you're waiting for God to give you a dream. And you want somebody to lay hands on you and prophesy for you. Listen, I can tell you this. God's word will give you the answers that you need. And here's the thing. It might not act like a microwave and give it to you in seven seconds. You might have to hang on and wait. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30 years to do what God called him to do. Abraham waited 25 years to get the answer to his prayer. But I can tell you this, that if you'll be dependent upon God, his word will give you the truth. It will give you the answers that you need. Listen, we go to so many places. We go to so many things. I mean, I know, listen, I know for a fact in our churches right here in Palm Bay, the land and online, there are people who still go have their fortunes read and show up at church dependent upon God. No, they are not. Because if you're dependent upon God, you devote yourself to the teaching of the apostles. The Word of God has to be an active part of our faith if we want, listen, if we want to grow. There's no way around it. It's got to be a part of it. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 6, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Read it with me, church, all campuses, which is the Word of God. Listen. And here's the thing about that word sword. It describes the Roman sword, and it was a 6 to 18 inch blade. It was designed for hand-to-hand combat. Listen, your enemy, he's not going to sit in a shed in Las Vegas controlling a drone and striking you from 10,000 miles away. The enemy is going to show up right here. He's going to come right into your marriage and right into your home and right into your job and right into your morals and right into your addictions and right into your struggles. He's going to show up right here. And listen, if you're not armed with a weapon, you're going to be in trouble. And the only weapon we have is the word of God. Amen, church? Listen, you've got to make God's word a part of your life. And the second thing they did was they devoted themselves to worship. They devoted themselves to worship. You heard Pastor Joe this morning talk about communion, right? The reality is that the Lord's Supper was a part of that worship, right? It says they they broke bread. The reality is back in the day when they broke bread, the love feast also included the honoring of God in the Lord's Supper. Listen, it's why we do it every week. It's why we do, when we ga- do it when we gather, right? The Lord's Supper is a part of that process. But worship itself has to be a part of what we do. Now listen, COVID has changed a lot of things. And man, there's so many church experts now. You know, there was a lot of church experts before COVID. There's a lot more now, right? So many church experts out there. Everybody's got a podcast to tell you about the new culture and the new norm because we're never going back to the old way. Well, they haven't showed up in Ormond yet, have they? Right? Like, we're like, everything's changed. No one hasn't. And here's why things haven't changed, because people are all the same people have been the same for thousands of years. We have the same basic needs. And here's part of the reality. Part of the reality is when you are a believer in Jesus, new or old worship needs to be a part of that dependency. Listen to this. Psalm 40, David writes this after being rescued by God. He says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. First of all, all of our campuses, can anybody testify that that's what God's done for you? Amen, right? God has rescued us. He set our feet firmly on the rock and listen to what happens. David says this, he put a new song in my mouth. He put a hymn of praise to our God. Leave that right there. Bring that back up, right? Listen, part of worship Part of our existence and dependence upon God requires worship. 68 times. Everybody say the number 68. 68 times in Psalms, the word singing is used. Listen, there is something powerful that happens when people gather together to worship. Listen, I know that COVID has changed some things. I remember the dark days of our church when we gathered online for 14 or 16 weeks. Anybody remember that? Yeah, it was was an interesting time, right? And the reality is, online, streaming, watching online has become such a huge part of what we do. Because there are people that physically couldn't make it, right? Geographically couldn't make it, right? But the reality is this. Worship is, a, is something that we as people who are dependent upon God do. Why? Because God rescued us. And he put a new song in our mouth. And here's the thing. Listen to what this last verse says. When we worship with that new song out of our mouth, many will see. See what? They'll see our worship and they'll fear the Lord and they'll what? Put their trust in him. Listen, you want to make it hard for people to go to health in this generation? People always say, well, I've got this friend. I've been talking to him about Jesus. I don't know what else to say. Well, I'll tell you what you can do. Invite him to church. Let him sit with you and you worship with that new song in your mouth. Listen, I know there are people and I know there are times. There are times I've had to worship online. I remember being on the Pennyroyal Parkway driving between Evansville and Clarksville, Tennessee on on, on at least two occasions. And I had right on my phone live streaming services of Tomoka Christian Church. It was amazing. But as a practice of rule, gathering without this... Makes a difference. Amen, church? Listen, there's a power in this. And here's the reality. The power may not always be for you. And listen, I don't want to hear this. I don't like the music. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, this isn't about what music. There's too much smoke. Get over it, right? It's too loud. No, it's not right? Like, let me just be clear about something. We, we live in a consumer driven world, right? Everything's about consumerism, right? My phone now has more apps on it for buying food and buying stuff than anything else, right? My whole phone is about consumerism. I need a nice coffee, mobile order, right? I need this from Chick-fil-A, mobile order. I order this from Amazon and they deliver it or they get it close to the house, whatever, right? You know, you It's all consumerism. And here's the thing. People walk into churches and they're consuming. They're smelling. They're listening. They're watching. I don't know if that's the church for me. And listen, I'm not downplaying the fact that we tend to gather with people we're like. But come on. Dependence upon God and liking a church isn't the same thing. And worshiping? Listen. Music is music. Does it all sound the same to my ears? No. No. Are there some songs I think, "Eh." and you know what? Here's the thing. When a song comes up, I don't know how to sing. I just sing a song I want to, right? Like I just sing whatever, right? Listen, worship is about singing from the place of the new song that God puts in your mouth. And here's the thing. We talk so much about how to get people to faith. Bible says this, that God inhabits, God inhabits the praise of his people. Man, put 300 people, 400 people in that room in Palm Bay. Put 200 people in land. Put 800 people in here. And here's what you're gonna find. Unbelievers who sit in a room and watch believers who've been rescued from the miry pit and the mud and had their feet stood on a solid place, on the solid rock with a new song who sing from their mouth. Watch those unbelievers see God in a way that they can trust Him, right? You gotta worship. Right, It has to be a part of what we do. Listen, I think for years we counted church attendance and I don't think we even knew why. But I can tell you there's a reason why we want you to be here. It's not because God has a checkbook and he's checking attendance. It's because there are people here who will be in a place where they need to see God and trust in him. Man, we need to learn to be dependent upon God. Here's the last thing. Um, We need to be dependent upon each other. We need to be dependent upon each other, right? Everything's about community in the world we live in today, right? Everything's about community. We're divided. Everything's about community. I went and saw my buddy up in, in, in a small town in, in central Illinois. And, right, there's signs in, other, in people's yards everywhere. And it says, uh, be the good, right? Be the good, right? Everything is about trying to overcome the, the broken society that we live in, right? And listen, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Right, but for believers, there's a greater purpose in that, and our dependency has to be on each other. Listen to what listen to what Luke writes here in Acts chapter two. The Greek language is awesome. I love the Greek language. It's the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. I love the order of the sentence structure. Right, that matters. That matters to me. That clock doesn't. Right. It says this in the Greek. It says, "Having believed, having believed." they were all together and had everything in common, right? Once we believe, once we believe we come together, right? It's pretty simple. Listen, if you're a believer, it matters together with other believers, right? That's great. Here's the thing, together, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand for this and I left my belt on my kitchen counter, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna calm down, right? I'm not that thin, okay? How many of you have ever given somebody a hug and the response to the hug was terrible? Like they stiffened up or they sort of gave you a side hug, right? That, that pat, right? Right? Or you tried to, you tried to shake somebody's hand and they, they shook your hand back and it was like, you know what I'm talking about, right? You ever, you ever, you ever kiss somebody and the, the response to the kiss is very stiff and unwelcoming, right? The Greek word together is the Greek word epi. And here's what it means. It means to fit, right? To fit where things belong. And it's all about making contact, right? But here's the great thing about that Greek word. It's not so much about the contact as it is the response you get from the contact, right? Listen, getting giving a hug is great. But getting the hug back is better, right? Right? Giving a handshake is a good thing. But getting a firm handshake in return is better. Kissing somebody is good, but getting a good kiss in return makes all the difference, right? Come on, relax. It's church, right? Right? Listen, listen, listen to this. We need each other because the reality is that believers should come together. There should be direct contact, but there should be the kind of contact that responds well to being together. Listen, part of the reason why people don't want to come to a building is because they heard how we get along in the building. Like we put 150 Christians in a room and the next thing you know, later there were 75 and there were two churches. That's what happens. Right? Because we're so concerned about not contacting together. Listen to what these believers did, and this is why we're dependent upon each other. All believers were together and had, what? Everything in common. Man, common is such a cool Greek word. It's the Greek word koina. And it means to be defiled. Basically what it means is this, is that something, something that was once sacred is no longer sacred. Something that was once special is no longer special. Right, The sacredness is off of it. Listen to what happened. Believers who are dependent upon a fighting spirit, they're going to be intentional about this. They're dependent upon God. They're learning from the teaching of the apostles and they're worshiping God every single day. They come together. And here's what happens when believers come together. All of a sudden, the stuff that they possess, right? Bring it the next verse. Here's what happened. When they came together... Sacred became common. Special became defiled. And it says this, they sold their possessions and their goods and they gave to anyone as they had need. You want to know what makes a difference in the world today? It isn't just community. You can walk outside these church doors and you'll find people gathering in community all over the place. There are people sitting in restaurants right now gathering in communities. There are people sitting in homes. There's going to be 100,000 people gathered up on ISB here later today and they're all going to be worshipping a race car, right? Like, people are going to gather. And, and, and listen, I'm going to be one of them, okay? Let's just be clear, right? Like, there's going to be there's gatherings of community exist everywhere. Those communities don't make a difference. The community of believers makes a difference because here's what happens. You come together with other people, all of a sudden, your stuff, your 60-inch TV, right? That boat that you bought, right? That third car that sits in the garage that you never drive, right? All of those extra pair of shoes in your closet, right? All of that stuff that we work so hard for, we save for, and we go in debt for, all of those things become unimportant. And what becomes important is the community. And all of a sudden, a mama and her six kids needs help and they can't feed. So guess what? I sell my boat because it's not special anymore. It's just common. And so I just sell my boat because the needs of the community are greater than that stuff. Does that make sense to you? You want to know what will change our world? That'll change our world. Right? This all this stuff about be the good, be the good you want to be. Listen, ain't none of that going to happen until you see the stuff that you have is not special anymore. Listen, the world needs to see believers in community, but they, they need to see them doing the right thing. The problem with church is the only time we gather in a community often is like this, like that in Palm Bay and Deland. The only time we gather is in places like this. And guess what happens? We don't always get along very well. People walk out of church like, I didn't like that service. Did you see preacher was preaching and didn't even belt on right? That kind of stuff, right? Like that's the kind of stuff we walk out of the community and we tell non-believers and they're like, I don't want to go to that church right? I don't want to go there. I don't want to be a part of that. But what if the community you live in, Palm Bay, DeLand, Ormond, what if they said, did you hear about Tomoka? Man, it's unbelievable what's happened there. I know this lady and she had these, had these kids and she was a single mom and she lost her job because of COVID and she needed help. And guess what? These people sold a piece of property they had and they gave the money to make sure that woman could take care of her kids. Did you hear about that? You want to know what will change the world? That will change the world. That will make a difference. And that's exactly how community should work as believers. This idea of a commune, that doesn't exist. But a community that honors God, that exists in scripture. And that's the kind of community that will make a difference in the world. Right? Let's wrap this thing up. At the very end of that passage, it says that God, that last verse of that passage says this, that this community of believers, right? They were dependent upon God, dependent upon a fighting spirit. They were dependent, right? Upon each other. And here's what happened. They enjoyed favor with all the people and God added to their number daily, those who were being saved. Listen, Our mission statement comes from Scripture. We say it the way we say it, right? We exist to make it hard for people to go to hell from this generation, right? All that means is our desire is to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ, right? That's our mission statement in Palm Bay. That's our mission statement in the land. That's our mission statement online. That's our mission statement here in Ormond. And it's not rocket science to figure out how to do it. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says this. He says that for the grace of God... That brings salvation has appeared to how many people? All men. Right? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul says it this way. It is by grace you have been saved. Listen, the one thing that people need to be saved is grace. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Listen, here's what he said. When you are dependent upon a fighting spirit, and you are dependent upon God, and you are dependent upon each other, the biblical way, here's what's going to happen. You're going to enjoy grace because that Greek word favor is charis. It means grace. When you enjoy grace with all the people, God can add to your number daily. Listen, there's a purpose behind what God does always. The best way for people to accept the grace of God is to see it in us. We need to learn, right? We need to learn how to do church the right way. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for... Peter and the rest of the apostles for hanging in there for not giving up for learning for overcoming their failures Father and ultimately being a place where you could place your spirit and Peter could do what you asked him to do which is preach that first sermon and we're grateful for the work of the spirit that convicted hearts and people responded and Father it's my prayer that Our church would become the church that is described in Acts 2. We'll be a people who are completely dependent upon fighting for what this is. It's a spiritual fight. I pray we'll be people that are dependent upon you, God, and that ultimately we'll be people who are dependent upon each other. And in so doing, your grace will be evident to all those around us. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We're grateful that he appeared and he brought grace with him. We pray in his name. Amen. God bless you, church.